0: So why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them? I'm not going to. So quit asking. What up? Streaming live from the beautiful FTJ studios, man. It's your host, Addison, man. Welcome back to another additional from the Jump, man. we got a lot to talk about today we got a lot to discuss we got a lot to get into but before I start today so man I want to say thank you to everybody that's been downloading the podcast man tapping in liking sharing everywhere man our streams the numbers are through the roof at this point man we are just going up every single day man so I just want to say double salute man to everybody that's been tapping into the podcast man your boy has been showing and I, your boys been appreciating the love, man. And, and, and I can only really do you know my part and just keep providing the content, if you will. We do have a show called From the Jump that will be airing on YouTube coming this month. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. A lot of surprises, a lot in store for that. I don't want to give too much away. I may be dropping a surprise preview this week. So you definitely want to stay tuned for that. But enough of the long talking. We got a lot to get into. First, starting off with breaking news, of course, around the sports world. If you didn't hear the news this weekend, the Oakland Raiders have decided to trade all pro Khalil Mack to the Chicago Bears. Now, in this trade, the Bears received Khalil Mack, a 2020 second round pick, and a conditional 2025th round pick. And in return, the Oakland Raiders receive a 2019 first round pick, a 2019 sixth round pick, a 2020 first round pick, and a 2023rd round pick. Now, of course, a lot of people had crazy reactions. Bruce Irvin on Twitter said, no way. Derek Carr had a crazy reaction, a lot of crazy reactions around the league. But when I saw the trade happen, I just thought of the inevitable. I just said that the Oakland Raiders and the Chicago Bears are going two different places. The Chicago Bears at this point are trying to build a Super Bowl contending defense with also having a, a pretty solid offense. I think they saw that with a couple teams have success with that. So this is what the Bears are deciding to do. And the Oakland Raiders have strictly committed to the offensive side of the ball. Since John Gruden has taken over John Gruden apparently is this visionary that sees the future. Now, I'm a Raiders guy, and I was one of those guys advocating that they don't trade Khalil Mack because I believe that Khalil Mack was the best pound-for-pound defensive player outside of him and Von Miller in the league. And, of course, you could throw Aaron Donald in there as well. So, I mean, those three guys. Were the three are the best, but what a lot of people were doing in this situation where they were making this about John Gruden and Khalil Mack. What I and I tweeted this the other night too. This isn't about John Gruden. Stop blaming John Gruden for letting Khalil Mack go. The reason why Khalil Mack is gone is because the Raiders simply couldn't pay him. They saw that contract that the Los Angeles Rams just gave Aaron Donald, that five year, 135 million dollar extension. They said, We can't give you that. We just gave Gruden 100 million. We just gave Derek Carr, hundred million. Like we, we can't give you, uh, we can't give you that. The decision ultimately to let Khalil Mack go came down to three individuals: Mark Davis, Reggie McKenzie, and Tom Delaney. That's it. Those are the people that make the business decisions for the Oakland Raiders, not John Gruden. So this, this, this idea, this, this ideology that John Gruden didn't want Khalil Mack there. This ideology that John Gruden wanted. Khalil Mack gone as foolishness. Listen to what Gruden had to say in regards to Khalil Mack. He was a great player for us, a great person, a great teammate. The negotiation uh, was what it was, it was tough. It was a long process, we talked about it daily, but we made a decision and uh, we're gonna stand by it. And again, don't get me wrong, I'm all for players sitting out getting your money. This is the same reason why I'm on board with Le'Veon Bell doing what he's doing, because he realizes, no, I'm gonna get what I'm worth, these quarterbacks, our mediocre. These quarterbacks have, you know, one or two good seasons and then they get paid heavy $100 million contracts while the receiver on the skill guys do all the dirty work and they get paid whatever's ultimately left. Now he was expected to make $13.8 million this year on his fifth year of his rookie deal. So essentially he was going to get paid. But again, after this season, then you play the franchise tag game. And we all know you don't want to be on the franchise tag because at that point, year than on the ownership's time do we want to invest in a physical guy do we want to invest in a defensive player long term when we've already invested in a head coach that we believe that can win us a super bowl and we've already invested in a quarterback that we believe is not only a pro bowler but all pro mvp caliber quarterback but also can lead us to a super bowl so that's where the raiders money have gone at this point and i know it's a lot of sad fans right now in raider nation but look this season right here coming up is one for the ages, stay tuned. But now keeping with the NFL, a couple teams around the NFL named starting quarterback, the Buffalo Bills have named Nathan Peterman, (laughs) the starter over rookie Josh Allen. Now this was of course an inevitable as well. Josh Allen, we knew coming into the draft, wasn't one of the top quarterbacks. We knew at this point, wasn't ready to go. And And I actually thought that AJ McCarron Thought was going to have a better chance at the job than Nathan Peterman. But apparently Nathan Peterman has outplayed the two quarterbacks at this point. AJ McCarron being traded to the Oakland Raiders as of yesterday. So again, the Buffalo Bills have named Nathan Peterman over Josh Allen, which means that Josh Allen dynasty in, in Buffalo is going to have to wait a little bit. And also the Philadelphia Eagles have named Nick Foles the starting quarterback, which also was the inevitable. Now then this was a long time coming. The Eagles, you know, kind of playing poker a little bit, not trying to show their hand, not trying to say whether or not Wentz is fully healthy, isn't healthy. But we all knew, I mean, when you tear your ACL, that's a pretty much a year process for you to get back. I know guys are superhuman now, superheroes, and guys are coming back within six weeks. But I mean, come on now. He tore his LCL. And again, he has not even reached the 10-month mark on his rehab process. And he has not even been cleared to play yet. So let's slow down with the Carson Wentz train. I know everybody wants Carson Wentz to get back on the field. I know everybody wants to see that Carson Wentz MVP-like season that we saw. But if I was the Eagles at this point and and, and Doug Peterson, we got to play this one smart. We got to rest and we got to get Carson Wentz as fully healthy as possible. And Nick Foles to this point gives us the best option to win. Again, you got to remember Nick Foles in that playoff run last year threw six touchdowns and one interception which happened to be in the Super Bowl. Prior to, he was no turnover guy. So here's a quarterback in which very capable of leading the Eagles back to the Super Bowl. Again, The NFC has to go through the Philadelphia Eagles. Until the Eagles are knocked off, the NFC has to go to the Super Bowl. I will always contend that the Dallas Cowboys are the best team in the NFC East. But, you know, that's just me talking. What do I know? (laughs) I just talk sports. But But here you go. Nick Foles is the week one starter against the Atlanta Falcons. Opening night, Thursday night, we will see Nick Foles on the field starting. Carson Wentz will be on the sideline. And this is going to be an interesting dynamic. Doug Peterson, I'm not going to say rolling the dice here, but Doug Peterson saying, okay, now we got a full year with Nick Foles until Carson Wentz gets ready and or Nick Foles just plays really well because what I've always said with quarterback battles is nobody's guaranteed a position. And we've seen this a lot of times in which the starter goes down, the backup comes in and play, wins, and it propels the team's play. And then as a result, the team starts having success. So what we don't want to do here is, if the Eagles are winning, let's say the Eagles start off this season, let's just say the Eagles start off 5-0, do we yank Nick Foles and start Carson Wentz? Look at the first five games for the Philadelphia Eagles against the Falcons at the Buccaneers versus the Colts at the Titans versus the Vikings. So let's say you beat the Falcons opening night, week one. He travels to the Bucs and takes down the Bucs. He beats the Colts at home. He goes on the road and plays the Titans in the scrappy Tennessee and then he, he he beats the Vikings at home. I mean, for me, that's that's still hard to bench a guy if he goes five and zero. Let's just say he goes five and one or four and two. Now, if he's struggling and the Eagles are two and two or one and three or however the situation is, and Carson Wentz is available more now than he is later, then I say play him if he's cleared to play. Coming up next on From the Jump, we'll talk college football this weekend. A lot of games that played. Nick Saban and the drama down there in Alabama. We'll talk Michigan and. Jim Harbaugh being on the hot seat, and also the Los Angeles Lakers made a decision. Find out about what. Stay tuned, it's from the jump. Well, not going to lie, it's uh, kind of lonely out here. Let's mix it up. Okay, oh, hey, it's the fam. Bring it in. Uncle Jim, Aunt Carrie, Grandma Jill. It's been too long. If it's mixed up, Lunchables with 100% juice is there. Streaming live right now from the beautiful FTJ Studios, man. It's your host, Addison. Follow your boy right now on Twitter, man, at FromTheJump, all one letter, all one together, F-R-O-M. T H A J U M P man. I follow everybody back. Live sports updates. Any updates about the show, we are now available on all streaming services. So definitely check us out. Google Play, SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, wherever music and podcasts are streamed at. That's where we are. So you definitely can find us on there, man. Continue to share us. Keep liking us. Keep sharing us, man. We're going up to the top, baby. Hey. But now you know we got to get back to it, man. College football. Was around. College football is back in America. A lot of big games, and as I predicted, a lot of teams got some victories. Now I got a couple wrong. I ain't gonna lie to you. I picked a couple wrong, but of course Alabama took care of victory. Took of course the number one team in the country. Alabama took care of business, and of course it didn't come without controversy. Now here's Nick Saban after the game versus Louisville. Now, before I get into the game itself, the Louisville game itself, and of course, the inevitable elephant in the room quarterback competition between Jalen Hurts and two, well not, well the former quarterback competition, because it's no longer a competition at this point, I want to talk about Nick Saban's little blow up with Maria Taylor on ESPN. And, and, and what I want to say is, I don't think it was directed towards Maria personally, Right, she just happened to get the brunt of it, right? Because she was Johnny on the spot with the microphone. Let's get out of Maria with Coach Saban. All right, coach everyone. about who was going to start at quarterback when this game started what answers did you have about your quarterbacks after watching both of them play tonight well i still like both guys i think both guys are good players i think both guys can help our team all right so why do you continually try to get me to say something that doesn't respect one of them i'm not going to so quit asking. but what i think nick saban has to do is he has to pick and choose his battles i think that little tirade that he made could have been saved for the press conference, right? Like his little blow-up that he always does after every first game of the season when Alabama has a big victory. He does this all the time. And this year, it happens to be about the quarterback battle that we kept asking him about, which was inevitable because Tua, which was the guy that, led again, tried it out there when the first team offense was out there, and that let us all know what we all wanted to know as to who was going to be the starting quarterback for the Alabama Crimson Tide. Now, again, Tua played a hell of a good game. He was 12 for 16 for 227 yards and two touchdowns. And by the way, he had the crazy, ridiculous spin throw touchdown. I mean, the guy was, the, the guy was on fire yesterday. Not to mention he ran for one touchdown as well. So he had three total touchdowns on the day. And, and by the looks of it, he just looked in full control of this team. This looked like Tua's team. He put himself in the Heisman map game one. Game one against Louisville, and we know without Lamar Jackson that Louisville was going to struggle this year. And Jawan Pass didn't look bad as well, but he was going against the number one team in the country. Come on, Bobby Petrino. They just look overmatched. But now what I will talk about is, and of course Jalen Hurts, I'm sorry, I don't want to leave Jalen Hurts out. He did play as well. He was 5 for 9 for 70 yards and also carried the ball for 3 yards. He also carried the ball 3 times for 9 yards as well. And by Nick Saban continuing to make this an issue, it's only making it worse for Nick Saban. We only asking because you kept telling us that it was a quarterback competition, but we you made it abundantly clear in the national championship game in the second half against Georgia, who the starting quarterback for this team was. And once he became the national championship MVP and y'all won the championship on the second and 26 Hail Mary throw, a, a game, a national championship that really slipped out of Georgia's hands. He's the starting quarterback going forward. And now for Jalen Hurts, at this point, you have a decision that you gotta make. I was advocating months ago, and even a couple weeks back, that Jalen Hurts, it's time for him to transfer. This team has been Tua's, and it was Tua's from the very beginning. And now Nick Saban dragging this out. Of course, he doesn't wanna hurt nobody's feelings, but in my mind, you're hurting the feelings even more by saying that we both gonna play, when in reality, Tua is the guy that you want. So if that's the case, Nick Saban just say it, and let's move forward. But this whole blowup tirade, and of course it was I don't think it was necessarily directed towards Maria Taylor. But again, I feel like he should have publicly came out and apologized to her about that. And two, stop making everything a big deal. When they have these big blowout wins, he, t- he finds the smallest things and makes a big deal out of them. But when they have a close game, he doesn't typically blow up. He, you know, he's very contrite, he's very humble. So to me, it's always this weird dichotomy with Nick Saban and how he judges wins. The SEC in general, is going to be dangerous. Georgia looked good yesterday as well. I'm sorry, Saturday. Georgia looked good Saturday as well. Tennessee dropped the game. But even at that, the SEC was 5-1 and one this weekend. LSU dominated Miami last night. Auburn came back in that wild overtime game in, in, in Washington against Washington. So we've seen the SEC on full display this weekend, and they showed out. But now one coach in particular who we had high hopes and high expectations for dropped the ball this weekend. That coach is none other than Jim Harbaugh. Now, of course, a lot of people are going to look at it and say, well, they didn't get blown out by Notre Dame, so what's the issue? The issue with Michigan, the issue with this loss, is the fact that you had a head start. And what I mean by that you had a head start is, Ohio State's been their head coach for the first three games. So that means they are without Urban Meyer, which puts even more pressure on you. Not only are you the number 14 team in the country, not only did you hype up Shea Patterson, in which I didn't see anything that impressed me as far as him running and or even him passing. He didn't even put it in the end zone. So this hype around Michigan, this hype that this year was going to be different, it was a bunch of baloney. I've been saying this for the entire time about Jim Harbaugh. And, and, and I'll say it again right now on the record, on wax, whatever you want to call it. Jim Harbaugh is a better NFL coach than he is a college coach. Now, when he came in in 2015, they finished the season 10 and 3, 10 and 3, and last year finishing 8 and 5. Now, he won one bowl game and lost two. But now, this in college football is based upon championships and conference championships. Are you winning the Big Ten every year? And are you competing? for a national championship this year. Now, Michigan already has one loss to its name, which means it's gonna put itself in the one loss category, which probably means there's gonna be a high probability that they're not going to make the college football playoff this year, which means that it's gonna put Jim Harbaugh in even more hot water. This was the year that Michigan was supposed to take that next step. This was the year that Michigan was supposed to leapfrog over Ohio State and or compete with Ohio State, given the fact that you brought in a new quarterback. Given all the hype about Rashawn Gary and that Michigan front seven and how this was going to be one of the most elite defenses in the country. I didn't see that Saturday night from Michigan. I did not see that at all. And give credit to Notre Dame where credit was due. Again, Wimbush didn't play as well either, but they made enough plays. Brian Kelly's team made enough plays at the end of the game to get the job done. Jim Harbaugh right now from this point on. Him, Tom Herman, it's a couple coaches around the country right now on the hot seat. WNBA action on last night. The Washington Mystics took on the Atlanta Dream in which the Mystics destroyed the Dream last night. 97-76 to behind a strong game from Christy Tolliver who finished yesterday's game with 22.3 rebounds and 7 assists. Jessica Breeland was the high, the high lady for the Atlanta Dream with 12 points eight rebounds and four assists. And in a game that went down wire to wire yesterday, the Phoenix Mercury defeated the Seattle Storm 86 to 84 behind Brittany Griner's game-winning hook shot. Take a listen. Now, Brittany Griner did finish the game yesterday with 29 points of rebounds and one steal. And also MVP of the WNBA, Brianna Stewart, also finished yesterday's game with 22 points, eight rebounds, and three assists. Both of those series are tied up at 2-2, in which those games will resume Thursday, one being in Seattle and the other one being in Atlanta. On today's wrap-up, the Los Angeles Lakers have agreed a buyout with Lakers former forward Luol Dane. Now, of course, this comes after him signing a four-year, $72 million contract extension a couple years back under the gym bus, Mitch Kupchak air. Now, the Los Angeles Lakers and Rob Polinka have released a statement pretty much saying that we've made this move to further our future salary cap and roster flexibility as we continue to build this Lakers team according to our current overall vision. And this was from... Lakers GM Rob Polinka made in a statement over this weekend. Now, of course, the 33-year-old Luol Deng still has a lot of basketball that still could potentially be left. Of course, the details to this buyout have not been released yet. But I mean, this comes as, a, as no surprise to most of us. I think we all were waiting for the Lakers at some point to buy out Luol Deng. Luol Deng, to this point, has only played in 56 games for the Lakers and still, to this point, relatively healthy, 14 years in the league, so a guy who kind of took less money that they're saying from this buyout which could potentially help a team to sign him long term but i think we all knew that this was the ineligible for the lakers he didn't fit into what they wanted to do they already have enough forwards brandon ingram kyle kuzma lebron james i mean the list goes on so he really didn't fit into what this team was currently going to be able to do and i never thought that he fitted into what the team wanted to do in general so i think now that you are Finally, removing yourself from this blue wall ding, this does open up a roster spot. Maybe you could sign a guy like Jamal Crawford to potentially play that off the bench role, and or provide some more scoring off the bench. Maybe you could bring in Nick Young for a cheap deal, if you will, and a fly low still out there, Jared Jack. So there's a lot of guys, point guards, a lot of guards really that are still out there right now that could be added to this Lakers team to potentially help. And or you can save that money at this point going forward. I think you're going to need all the money you can get next year, considering the fact that you're probably going to have to go after Kevin Durant. You're probably going to want to, to go after Klay Thompson, Kawhi Leonard. So you're going to need as much bankroll as you can potentially get. So again, the Lakers have agreed to a buyout with Luol Deng. The, the contract details have not been disclosed yet. But what we do know is Luol Deng is no longer on the Lakers. So if you pull him up on 2K, he will no longer show up with the Los Angeles Lakers. I guess it'll just be in the free agent section. But we talked about a lot today, man. It's your boy, man. Follow me on Twitter at FromTheJump, man. I follow everybody back on there as well. Again, we got a special, special surprise dropping this week. I'm not telling what day it's going to drop. I think I'm going to just drop it. So you definitely want to stay plugged to the social medias for that. But it's your boy, man. We out.